Hey, welcome to number 92. Let's get it going. Let the good times roll. This episode of the Scoped Podcast, once again, brought to you by the amazing Scofflaw Brewing Company. Now, I've been on a 30-day sober challenge. I, I, I surpassed 30 days. I don't know. I'm just going for a little bit just to give my liver a break. You know, we all got to do that from time to time. The cleansing process. But I can't wait to start drinking beer again because Scofflaw, I'm going to go there and down about four or five of those bad boys. Probably be drunk. But that's what Uber and Lyft is for. So get over there to the brewery. They got a lot of new beers they're tapping. It's getting to be cold. Winter. I mean, some dark stout beer is going to be popping up at the brewery. Oh, I love that place. Many, many a times spent there. Some drunken times. One thing I never do on here is plug my socials because not everyone listens on my accounts when I repost the episodes. You can find me on Facebook at Jackson Heaton, that's H-E-A-T-O-N, and on Instagram at Red Eye Rocker. That's Red Eye Rocker. All right, now that business is concluded, my special guest today is Jeff Rose, great actor and director, been in a lot of really cool stuff, most recently Night School with Kevin Hart. Of course, I had to talk some, some Christian chicken with him. Brother Teddy, it's chicken brought to you by the Lord. Oh, man, that had me rolling laughing first time I saw that film. Uh, Jeff is such a cool guy. We're just a couple Georgia boys, man. He was born in Marietta. I was born up in North Georgia in Blairsville. And we have a lot in common. We're basically the same person. Uh, I can't wait to hang out with him. I got to hang out with all these actors I've had on the podcast. They keep promising me cigars and steaks and golf. None of them have come through yet. I'm starting to wonder if you people are really my friend or you're just you're just using me. I'm just kidding. I'm using you. Because you're a big deal, I'm not, and uh, I'm honored to talk to each and every one of you, and I can't wait for the future people that will be on the podcast. Uh, Me and Jeff cover so much. It was such an amazing episode. Of course, everything we talk about will be written in the description of the episode. Man, really good stuff. Him directing his first feature, us talking about night school, different things about being on a film set. We hear some really great stories. So you know what? Let's just get into it. Episode 92 of the Scoped Podcast with Jeff Rose as my special guest starts now. Step into my world. I'm psyched. Let's go. Now you're turning into the Scoped Man, and I apologize. You're the first uh, actor I haven't drank with. Oh, I man. feel. No I mean, Clayton Landy, Rick Wrights, you know, Mike Panuski. Those guys drink. Oh no yeah, way. no way. I know, right? <laughs> Mike Panuski, uh, all them. They've we all, we all drank. Claire right. Bronson didn't drink with me because she doesn't. She has an allergy to beer. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I know a little bit about that with her. Yeah, I'm good friends with her. Yeah, she was awesome. He was the last. Uh, well, I took a little break from the podcast for the rest of October. Just uh, a lot of stuff going on, but dude, I was so honored to uh, to have you on. Well, thank. You. This is this is really cool. It's an honor for me. It really is. Yeah. 
I'm sorry it took so long, and thank you for being so patient with. Oh me. no, no, it's cool. I just got off another film. I was on for a, for a month, and you were you were really cool, you know, giving me time and all that. So my back and forth was going on with you and Rob Prago. Rob is a good friend. As yeah, well. yeah, he's, yeah. He's actually directing a film down in Florida right now. Oh wow! With the same DP I just worked. You just uh, directed your first feature. Can you give uh, any details on it? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's called Game Changer. Uh, for any baseball fans out there, it's about Little League Baseball. John Smoltz is in oh, my movie. Wow. That was really cool working with him. Uh, I've got a couple of stories about, about him I can share with you. And, um, yeah, Corbin Burnson from L.A. Law and Psych, he, he's in, in the movie as well. And my son is in it. And and the funny, the funniest thing about that is he was already cast as the lead kid in this film before I was hired as director. So, Oh, so you, brought, you got brought on to this. I, I got brought on after. Wow. He's overtaking dad. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I used to joke and say that I was jealous of my kid because he works so much, but now it's not a joke anymore. It, it, I really am ticked off and jealous. He works more than I do. And, and your daughter. Uh, yeah, my daughter, she, she's done some acting. She, yeah. She's been on TV, done a few shows and all that, but she's gravitated more towards sports. She's, she's a senior in high school. She plays fast pitch softball, and she's on the cheerleading team and all that. So she's kind of taking a step back, but I, I think she's going to get back into it. That's going to be super cool to have a, a son that, you know, is getting successful in the business and you see working hard and yeah, it's very inspiring and just to, just to watch him do his thing. I mean, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say there were moments on set, you know, and I'm directing, I'm in video village and I'm watching two monitors and watching my son do his thing with, with, you know, the other actors. And I just, I kind of get choked up and kind of teary eyed, like just watching him do his thing. You don't yeah. treat him differently than the other actors. No, definitely not. If, you know, arguably I might be a little bit tougher on him. Really? A little bit. You know, it's like, cause I played baseball for two decades and, and I've coached him in baseball and all that. And I kind of, kind of was able to feel that, that part of my, my role in his life out on the field. And, you know, you got to be careful. You don't want to come down harder on your kid, but, your kid has to understand he's equal to everybody else. You know, he's going to run a lap just as quick as anybody else. And, um, but, but finding that, that happy median is, is a bit of a, a journey, you know, but it's fun navigating it so far. We've done really well with it. And that's uh you kind of have the same story as Rick Wright's where you fell into acting in a serious way because you, of the lost baseball scholarship. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. We, we do share that in, in common. I, uh, you know, really, really wanted to pursue baseball. My dad, you know, got pretty high up in, in, in the ranks and, you know, life got in the way with him where he, he couldn't pursue it after I was born and all that. And uh, so it was it was very important to me. It was the only thing I could do, Jackson, in front of more than three people without freaking out because mm -hmm. I had this this stage fright thing, you know, and all. And uh, so overcoming that was a that that's a, a whole different story um, as well. But yeah, it, it really pushed me into having to address my fears about it. In my freshman year of college, I took a literal acting 101 class, and here I am, however many, uh, I'm not going to say how many years later, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a, a real career, and I'm, I'm making a living at this. You know? It's funny because, you know, for most kids, we say we want to be astronauts, we want to, like me, I wanted to be a doctor like my dad and my granddad, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but that's things we say as a kid, you're one of the very few that at seven years old saw an episode of the Rifleman and got You've so done some research. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. And, and, uh, and you said you got so emotional that you were afraid to cry in front of your mom exactly. uh, about it. And you actually s said right then and there that you wanted to be an actor and yeah. followed through with it. She explained to me that night 
she had done a little bit of acting in college and she explained that there was a group of people that made that happen, that it wasn't just the actors that I could see in that show, that there was a director, there were men and women, you know, operating the equipment, the cameras, setting up lights and recording audio and all that. And she said almost literally up until the day she died that I looked her in the eye that night at the age of seven and said, mom, I'm going to grow up and be a part of that team. So I've always had that team aspect about the business. You know, nobody's any greater than, than any other person. It, it, we're all working toward the same goal. And I want to touch on that here in a minute, more about that. But um, so you grew you were born in Marietta mm-hmm. and there, I'm sure there was no acting scene at the time Nothing. in Marietta yeah, in Atlanta. I, I was like some, I was a redneck growing up in, you know, Northwestern Cobb County in, in the middle of the seventies. And I'm like, I can't even admit this to anybody. <laughs> That's just weird. You know? <laughs> Do you know uh, Blairsville? Yeah. That's absolutely. where I'm from. Oh, okay. That's where I grew okay. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. So, so we're both just a couple so of Georgia boys. I'm a Georgia, we're a couple of Georgia it. boys yeah, here. Man, that's great. I love it. Cheers to that. Cheers, man. <laughs> Cheers to my, me and my coffee. You and your coffee <laughs> over here. So um, you moved to L.A. and things started really working out with plays, and you were up for the Robin roll, and yeah. that had to be that monstrous. Was, that was a roller coaster, for sure. I, I really thought at that point I had no reason to doubt that that was my, be my ticket, mm-hmm. you know, that that was going to open up every door that, that I needed and— Jeff's going to be a big star, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But obviously it didn't happen. Um, neat story. I don't know if we have time to share it. I can share it with you. But, Dude, we got uh, like an hour and a half. An hour two. and a half. Oh, sweet. Yeah, well, well, long story short, Annette Benning, the first Batman had come out, uh-huh. right? You, everywhere, you're too young to remember, but but the Bat logo was everywhere. On every just turned 30. Board, you know, just, okay, so yeah, so, yeah you are, you're a baby, but. I'm jealous. I wish I was that age. I still play 30s. That's great. So that there's that, you know. But um, but no, in 89, Tim Burton's Batman came out. Jack Nicholson played the Joker, and it was it was all the rage. And I was doing a show in North Carolina, doing a, a an outdoor drama onto these hills. And um, we drove into town on a Monday. We were dark on Mondays. We drove into town and saw the movie, and we all enjoyed it. And on the way back, there were six, seven, eight of us in the van and people started joking. They said, you know what? You know, Warner Brothers is going to make a sequel to this. Jeff Rose needs to play Robin because they said, I look like I could be Robin, you know, and all that. So it became this running joke. Well, about a year later, I guess, I get an agent in Orlando, Florida. I book a commercial. I fly down to Orlando. Actually, I was in Tampa. Uh, They flew me down to Tampa and I'm shooting this commercial. I'm literally on set. No cell phones, anything at that, at this time. This is like the, the early 1990s. I think I had a pager, right? That was was all that I had. And so uh, I'm looking in the papers. I'm sitting on set shooting this commercial, and I see that Tim Burton is in town, and he's directing this movie called Edward Scissorhands with Johnny Depp and Winona Ryder. So I call my agent in Orlando, and I'm like, this is going to sound crazy, but everybody's saying I look like I could be Robin, and there's some talk about, you know, a sequel and all this stuff. And she's like, she's like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm at a payphone. And and she said, give me the number, and, and I'll call you back. 15 minutes. I stand at the stupid payphone. 15 minutes later, she calls back and she says, can you stay another night? I, I can get you a hotel, you know, whatever. Uh, he wants to meet you tomorrow. So I go to this set and here's Johnny Depp and Winona Ryder and all that. And, and that's what started this ball rolling about me being Robin. And it turned into a six month, complete, completely exciting roller coaster, ups and downs and, and all this. And um, what had happened was Annette Benning had, had done this movie called Bugsy with Warren Beatty and she got pregnant. 
So she wasn't, she had already been cast to play Catwoman and she couldn't do it now, you know, because she was going to be pregnant during the, the dates that they were going to be filming. So Warner Brothers went into a tailspin and tried to decide what they were going to do. They already had Danny DeVito locked as, as the, uh, as the penguin. And so they went back to an original dark Knight story and said, why don't we just introduce Robin in this one and cut to the chase after I'd already auditioned a few times and some other people were in consideration, uh, Marlon Wayans was in consideration, uh, Michael J. Fox. One day, as as fate would have it, Tim Burton goes to the commissary at Disney, Disney or NBC or somewhere, and runs into David Kelly, who was uh, producing or created Picket Fences and a few other big shows back in the 90s, who happens to be married to Michelle Pfeiffer. And he's like, you know, Michelle would love to play Catwoman, you know. And so they're, at that point, it was a no-brainer. Michelle was at the height of her career and all that. So they went back to the original script, and they didn't introduce Robin for, what, five, six, seven years later, maybe even longer than that. I don't even know. My consolation was I got invited to the premiere of the Batman and Robin, you know, the one with uh, Mr. Freeze. I guess Schwarzenegger played Mr. Freeze or whatever. And I, I don't mean any disrespect to anybody, but I sat in the audience and – basically said thank you god i'm not a part of this <laughs> <No. laughs> it was the worst batman of all oh man, man. that's uh that's the one movie george clooney says he regrets, he regrets making yeah, yeah. is the just, nipples on the bat suit right, the nipples on the bat suit it's like what's up with that joel schumacher that was his yeah movie, i think you know but uh but yeah but obviously it didn't work but it opened up enough doors for me to go on to hollywood and i was able to capitalize on on some networking that i had been able to do through all that and here we are I think so many people, like, they don't see what goes into the making, like, years leading up. There are movies that don't get made for 10 years after they've been talked about or a, a script's been made. Mm -hmm. People don't realize that. They only see it when it comes to the theaters. Like, <laughs> right. like you telling the story about, you know, that long process of you possibly being Robin and then the final product comes out, Michelle Pfeiffer. And, right. Yeah. And it's crazy yeah. how the industry yeah. works. When people hear the, the surface story, you know, about I was almost Robin, they they think that it was for that same period where Chris O'Donnell became Robin. I'm like, no, it was like a, almost a decade or wow. more than that. You know? I think uh, being in the entertainment business, whether it's me and radio, you and acting, it's such a hot, cold kind of business mm -hmm. where, you know, it just constantly keeps you on your toes. You know, yeah. one minute you may have, you know, a year or more where you're completely just on. And then the moment, the year where you're just not getting anything. Totally forgotten. Yeah. And, and I don't know if it's like what, it, if it's like that for you, but for me, it makes me in, uh, hard to enjoy the good moments because I'm constantly looking over my shoulder. Yeah. Being like, all right, I want to get too comfortable with this because I know something's going to happen. Right, right. That's a very good point. It, it took me, when I was your age, I was in that same river. Where, where I looked at everything that way. I couldn't really appreciate to the fullest extent what was going on because I knew it was just a matter of time before the next drought came. But thankfully, over the last 15, 20 years of my life, I've been able to compartmentalize it a lot better. And at this stage of the game, because I almost lost my career when my mom got sick, mm -hmm. she had a stroke that, um, you know, those kinds of things will help you grow up a little bit and, and, and appreciate things for what they are. And now every day, I appreciate it. Even if it's just an audition for something, I, I realize now how valuable just auditioning for something might be. You know, That's uh, what I said earlier. I wanted to hit more on that. Uh, that was what I wanted to bring up your mother's stroke and moving back to Atlanta. And did you, what assumptions did you make about your career at that point when you were on that hiatus? I gave up on it. At least let me back up. I tried to convince myself that I was going to give up on it because uh, I was kind of riding a little Crest, I just signed with a really good agent in LA, the best agent, you know, since I had been out there and I get this phone call that, you know, my mom's been, you know, had a stroke and, and 
I didn't even know what a stroke was. It was kind of crazy, you know, because I was I was a little bit older than you are now. And I just I'd always heard the term, but I thought it was so distant from my reality. I thought, well, it's kind of like a heart attack or something. You know, I don't know. But I find out, you know, that it was it was devastating. And, you know, thankfully, my mom, she lived another 18 years, you know, after the stroke. But um, after it happened, life just turned upside down. I came back. I decided to stay here in Atlanta and help the family as best I could and all that. And, and like basically what we were just talking about, um, you, you, you get out of the business for more than six days. People forget your name, you know? And so, you know, it got to a point where I couldn't even watch the news or sports because there's like one or two degrees of separation at most from any project. And I'm like, that was my life. That was what I was. I built my life on. It's what I wanted to do. That's what I feel like God has gifted me to do. And now it's, the rug's been yanked out from under me. So I actually went through a stage where I was, I was mad at God. It was like, what the heck, you know, what, what's happened here? And um, for almost two years, my, my career was at a, it just came to a screeching halt. And a friend of mine, Melissa McBride, who your audience might know from The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. she's one of the ones who, who encouraged me to get back in it. She's like, don't give up, don't give up. And so I, I really have to, you know, I haven't had a, too many chances publicly to thank her for that. But, but she was one of the ones that, that prodded me, pushed me back into it. And, and cause I had that whole LA attitude, you know, it's like, they don't know what the, what the hell they're doing in Atlanta. <laughs> you know, it's all that. It's like, this is, you know, kindergarten. I was out there playing the, the big game. I was, a, I was in the show. Going know? to the parties going and, to the, yeah, all and that, having all the know? fun. And now I'm coming back to Atlanta where, you know, and at that point, this is right after 9-11, there was nothing going on here. You know, maybe one, one or two features a year and, you know, something like that. That was about it. And so, but, but again, Melissa and a few other people, but especially Melissa, you know, encouraged me to get back in it and, kind of became a, a big fish in a small pond pretty quick. And, you know, just a few years after that, you know, with the, the tax incentives and everything, you know, production growing, you know, at one point, I think I was recurring on five shows at once. Mm-hmm. Army Wives was so a big one. Army Wives was a big one. That that really kind of jump-started my career again. And I think I was cast, I think that was like 2003 or 2004 when I started that, you know. And, um, yeah, so so basically I had to get on my face and say, God, I'm sorry, you knew what was going on, I didn't, you know, and stuff. And for some reason, I'm human, I, I still have to keep relearning those lessons. But uh, but yeah, it's it's been a, a, a great thing. It's been such a, such a dream come true just watching Georgia explode the way that it did. Not necessarily that it affected my life in a positive way, but just, you know, it, it being that redneck growing up in Indiana, Georgia, who, who, you know, didn't have any access to Hollywood at all when I was a kid. And now it's right in my back door. I mean, you know, you drive down the road, you're going to pass a movie set somewhere, you know, in Atlanta. It's crazy. Uh, dude, I grew up in Blairsville where we just got, we didn't get alcohol in the town until I was a... Oh, it was a dry city? Dry you, county? Dry or, county. Really? Wow. Blairsville's not a city. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> you drive yeah, through it, you forever, blink, right, and, right, then, right, right. and then you're out of it. Mm-hmm. So I, they didn't get alcohol until I think I was a... <laughs> junior in college wow okay yeah so when we were in high school you'd have to pay someone to drive to a near town and you buy you alcohol and you just stocked up there and you just drank the the crappy bush lights or whatever but you were like oh PBR. my gosh i'm drinking beer PBR. Yeah, yeah. yeah i mean no and our nearest mall was an hour and a half away i mean yeah. so yeah we you want to talk about podunk that, place that like, was you know, podunk i agree yeah, yeah. i agree yeah. we grew up uh mud uh mud, mud bogging yeah mud bogging and hunting deer and fishing <laughs> Yeah, 
But I liked growing up in a small town. Of course, it was yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was simple. You knew everybody, and yeah. uh, you could leave your door unlocked all the time. Yeah, absolutely, John Cougar knew what he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when did when did you really see Atlanta uh, really come into its own regarding the acting scene? I guess a few years after that, I was kind of skeptical. I, I'm personally, I've never liked the Hollywood of the South <clears throat> terminology and all that. Not so much because I still harbor this LA attitude, you know, that, that we don't know what's going on because we definitely such a do snob know. you I, are, I always, Jeff yeah, I'm such just snob. joking. But, 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 it, but it's not, it's not that it's, it's just that I was again, getting back to that attitude that we mentioned earlier, that kind of expecting the worst it's like I, I wanted to keep myself guarded. So just in case everything went away, I'm good, you know? So I was very skeptical about it up until the point that television started making a home here because films have always been shot on location, right? Features. So that was good to have all the production. But then when TV started setting up shop and then shows like Drop Dead Diva, which I was blessed to be a part of for so long, you know, set up, that's when I realized because of my experience in LA, like, that's when I realized this is the real deal. When, when Hollywood is coming here and setting up shop, you know, because of these tax incentives or, or you know, the other reasons, you know, the diversity and the, the talent pool in front of and behind the camera, definitely. Um, that's when I realized this was here to stay. And then when Pinewood opened here, I knew, and I know they've recently sold and all that, but I knew then they're not going to invest that kind of money if, if they weren't confident it was going to be here for a while. I mean, and any given day, there's, I've heard like 60 productions going on in Atlanta. Amazing. It's crazy. Absolutely. Anywhere you drive, like I live in Buckhead, mm -hmm. you know where uh, Whitehall Tavern is? Yeah, I'm not far from there. Yeah. Oh, I live I'm right not... up, I live like a hundred yards away from yeah, there. Yeah, nice. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And when I start drinking again, we'll have to go to Whitehall we'll and get a beer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Get, yeah, get us a beer. Yeah, You'll have to come to the brewery right. yeah. and we'll get you some beer. You know what beer. I love? I love the region. The region. Oh, oh yeah. The region. Love it Yeah. That's awesome. Real drinks up there. Now I am uh, I'm definitely in a relationship right now with the woman I plan on good for you uh, marrying yeah, one day. Totally gets everything. Supportive. There's this her right there. Oh, she's beautiful, yeah, man. Yeah. You, yeah. way out of my league. Way, way out of, league. Way oh, out of my league. I didn't say that. No, no, no like, insanely out of my league. I know that. <laughs> she's beautiful. I, I constantly ask her. I go, "You're gonna wake up one day," and I'm I just keep trying to keep her under that spell. <laughs> Not true. Not she true. went. She was working a music festival this weekend, like helping out a friend of hers, okay. and uh, so one, she's in the business. Somewhere. No, 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 she defends insurance companies in court. No, so she's got a real job. She works for the man. Okay. <laughs> she works for the man. I say, fuck the man. <laughs> but it's great. We have a ton of fun. And she loses everything, though, Jeff. She's so, <laughs> I love her to death. But she, since like we've been. misplacing things? Yeah, okay. in the six months we've been dating, or six or seven, she has lost her phone multiple times and had to buy new ones. She's lost her wallet. She's lost her. She just lost her car keys today. She oh, called no. me. And she's like, "Babe, I lost my car keys." Oh no! And I'm like, hey, "She will. We are. If we ever have a joint chat, uh, we're never having a joint account. We are going to be separate. You are never having a credit card." Well, it sounds like she needs you, and you need her. Yes. Yeah, no. It's very. It's great balancing, and she supports everything and comes to as much as she can. And That's cool. So it's cool. You know, it's it's, it's something you don't want to rush. Did right? you meet her online? We met through mutual friends. Mutual friends. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. She knows a lot of bands here in Atlanta. Oh, cool. Okay. I was uh, I was emceeing at the Four Seasons Hotel for a while. Okay. Concerts we did on the rooftop yeah, terrace. Yeah, yeah. 
And when they hired the podcast, they didn't hire me for the radio. They hired me for the podcast, which was cool. Yeah. And uh, I was like, this is really different. I'm used to smoky bars and PBR yeah, yeah, yeah. in the fridge. Yeah. And you know, now they're like, would you like a, a mint julep, Jackson? Would you like a, a Negroni? I was like, what the fuck? What is that? <laughs> well, yeah, no, I love Negronis. <laughs> but so it's different. It's fun. It's fun. Atlanta is uh, just a, a, th a thriving place in general right now. Yeah. yeah, I'm enjoying living in Buckhead right now. I really am. I just I just recently moved, moved here and... Uh, because I've been out in the burbs, you know, Cobb County in that mm. area, which I love as well. I used to live in Vinings. I love Vinings. Yeah, Vinings is yeah. cool. Yeah, I like it. But Atlanta is a really good place to be. It is. It's still the quality of life, and and you know the cost of living is not it not as bad as it is in other other places and all that. And I love to travel, but I'm, I'm happy to call this home. You know, I've never even been outside of the United States. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, where where where's your favorite place you've been? Ireland. Beyond, God, I want to go to Dublin so bad for my next any, my birthday. I, I next lived year. in Dublin for well, I didn't. Well, I lived there. I was doing a show there, so I guess you could say I lived there for a while. But um, yeah, I was there back in the early '80s, about maybe two years before the whole Batman thing started. And I was doing a musical of all things, wow, all throughout the British Isles, which was crazy. And people are like, yeah, because I'm this redneck from Marietta. <laughs> like, wait a minute, you sing? I'm like, no, I'm I'm an actor. I, Act like I sing. <laughs> and somehow I, I, I played it off. But I love musicals. I really do. I would love, I feel like there's a frustrated part of me that never really jumped into that as much as, as I could have and, and should have. Not that I'm a great singer by any stretch of the imagination, but I just I just love the whole atmosphere there. You know, the Hugh Jackman, the, the stuff that he does. It's like, man, I would love to do that. Well, until I went to college, my dream was to be an actor. Okay. I've been in 30 plays. Oh, nice. My shining glory was Scrooge in a Christmas Carol. Okay. Bah humbug. I love it. That's great. I love it. You're hired. Yeah. <laughs> I would I've always said I would love to do extra work in Atlanta. And I okay. feel like it wouldn't be that hard. Well, you know enough of us, we can make that Yeah, I know. I know, I'm, I'm, I know enough of the insiders. And being on the radio, I feel like I can be like, mm -hmm. you know, be like, I don't know. I'm just... Just, right. I, I hear it's fun going and yeah. you know on set long hours, but you get free food and yeah, you know, and it and it's it's where I, it's where I feel most alive. Yeah. It really is. It's just so much energy there. Again, this and now you're talking again to the seven year old kid that watched the Rifleman, you know, and and fell in love with the with the art form. It's one of the most beautiful art forms that exists. Cinema is, in my opinion. Yeah. What do, I I like asking this question to the actors that come on. Do you think it's a prerequisite? Or a, a better way to get introduced to film starting out on stage? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my college professor is the one that convinced me because, again, not to be repetitive, but I'm this redneck from Marietta that, you know, to me, acting was film and TV. Everything I could see on the screen, that, that whole stage thing, that was like way alien to me. And uh, But my college professor, Kurt Daw, who's friends with me now on, on Facebook, and it's so cool to see his feedback. It's like, Jeff, I just saw this or whatever. And it really makes me feel good. But he really, really pushed me on, you've got to do theater. You've got to, you know, he, he explained to me, you know, pretty early on that, that when you have to stay in character for an hour at a time, how can you not learn the craft? You know? And when I got started, I'm old. So when I got started, we were still shooting everything on celluloid. Mm. So you were lucky to get a minute and a half or two minutes before you cut. You know, but, it, you know, and that really hasn't changed a whole lot now with with the advent of, of video. But but he was right. You know, you get to, you get out there on stage. There's no second takes. Right. It, it's do or die. If you mess and up, you got to learn up, how to you, figure you it out Learn how to figure it out. And I love that. Yeah. I, I, I fell in love with that aspect right there. That thrilled the hell out of me. And uh, I try to bring as much of that to the screen 
that I can keeping that sense of the high wire without the net, <laughs> mm. you know, kind of thing. And that just makes the performances hopefully even better when, when you live like that. And when you get a group of <clears throat> actors that are on camera together in one scene who all share that mentality, that's, that's where real magic can happen. I think that's what feeds an entertainer, uh, like acting, being on stage or me being live on the radio versus taping my show or mm -hmm. tracking when, you know, if I'm tracking it, I can do it as many times as I yeah. want. Whereas, yeah. you know, live you got, 25 seconds to a minute to, you know, get your point across and to make someone laugh or, you know, you got to, and you can't see any of those people. Like, you know, right. yeah. I don't, they could be like, man, this guy sucks <laughs> and I don't even know it. But you, you know, it's that, it's that ego, that gut you have to have sure. to, um, you know, yeah. just not even think about it. Yeah. You do have to have an ego and it's not, not that you're cocky or, or rude or self-serving even. It's just, you, you've got to, no, well, you know, no matter what you do, you've got to have confidence in yourself. If you're going to be good at it, there's not, there's not a single athlete, John Smoltz. I mentioned him earlier. I mean, one of the nicest guys on planet earth in every way. But when you meet him, you realize he's got this attitude about himself that he is not going to fail, yeah. you know? And that, that's the, what is that? That's got to be one of the, one of the important factors of having the heart of a champion, yeah. you know? And you don't, that's why there aren't that many champions, right? Because people, people don't have that. Now on the other token, I can't stand attitude. You know, especially when I came back to Atlanta, I, you get all these actors, you know, that, that have this, oh, you know, I'm an actor and, you know, don't look at me and, you know, this, this kind of stuff. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I'm like, where's that coming from? Oh. I said, if you're Steven Spielberg, maybe you can have a little bit of an attitude, but guess what? Even Steven Spielberg doesn't have an attitude like that. So who are you? So I've, that, that's my, one of my biggest issues when that confidence turns into that. You know, well, if you take someone like uh, I've heard stories about Keanu Reeves, the way he like he acts just like a normal person. These people, you can tell the ones that have the wannabe attitude mm -hmm. versus the people that have the attitude but are humble about it. Absolutely, yep. Humility, humility can still exist in the middle of that mm -hmm. ego. It, that that's the point I think that I'm trying to make. Yeah, yeah because you hear things like Tom Hanks or uh, I know Clayton Landy and uh, who was the other other person in that movie with him. Um, uh, One of the other Atlanta actors, Adam Boyer. Yeah, yeah, Adam Boyer. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. uh, like you know, Clayton Landon just said Tom Hanks was just one of the nicest guys. Uh, I think it was Alex Collins. Rob, was it? Rob Prago was in it. Yeah, Rob, was Rob in, was yeah, in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. that was too. Mm -hmm. And then Alex Collins said that, or no, it was Clayton Landy or Alex Collins that said Tom Cruise was just one of the nicest people. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. get the, you got to have the attitude. There's an yeah. attitude that comes yeah. along with it. I think there's a false narrative where a lot of people get this misconception because of the media. They, they, they believe all the stuff they read and, and all that. And they think, Oh, well, I'm supposed to be kind of a monster to get the attention or to get the job or whatever. And it's like, no, those people don't, nobody is elevated to the point of having a working career by being an ass, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and those that might appear to be an ass pretty much developed that asshole attitude mm -hmm. after they became famous. Yeah. Right. They didn't start out that way because everybody being like, get the, you know, you, you're, you're looking for people that, you know, you're going to have to spend 16 hours a day with for three months. You don't want to work with an ass. You no. know? So, I love yeah. the videos I see on YouTube of actors freaking out on set. Oh, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> hilarious. I love that. that stuff is hilarious. <laughs> is it bad that I can smell that beer? Oh, That's dude. how long it's been since <laughs> I've had a beer. I can smell it and smell. No, it's I, because you haven't had a beer in so long. Your sense of smell is that much more keen. Exactly. So yeah. now you can smell it. 
See, yeah. look at the bright side. Oh, my See? smelling is just like, I can... Oh, if it's dirty. bothering you, I can drink it all real no, quick. So just know? down it all, get it out of here. How are you enjoying you, it? You want to interview a drunk Jeff Rose, <laughs> I can tell you. When was the last time Jeff Rose was drunk? It's been a minute, for sure, yeah. I don't really like being being drunk. I, I like a good drink, and I like a good beer. You know, it's, it's really, really what it is. Going back to moderation. It, back to moderation. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah like, the, few, you know, the few times that I've been drunk, I did not like it. And like you said, you know, waking up with a hangover, I'm like, what What was that? What was the point? And as you get older, they just get it, worse. It, exactly. And I'll be 87 in a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you miss the days in college where you could like get hammered drunk, get like five hours of sleep. And wake up and run six miles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, like yeah. drink a Powerade and you're like, all right, I'm good, let's do it. Let's work out. And now I wake up with a hangover. I'm like, oh, God. I'm done oh, for the week. I got to go to work today? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so true. You got to take better care. It's, it's amazing, though. When I hit 30, I, I, I started like, and I know 30's not old, but you can tell a noticeable difference after you're 30. 30 was big for me. Yeah. I felt like my life was almost over I did. I really did. Yeah, yeah middle midlife crisis. Right, yeah, yeah. Oh man, we threw a massive party for my thirtieth at uh, Smith's Old Bar. Oh, nice. Uh, okay. Where I MC a lot of concerts. Yeah. And uh, Scofflaw sponsored it. I had three of the podcast bands playing. And okay, cool. I had this chalice that uh, a friend of mine brought me. It said, "Long live King Jacks. Happy thirtieth." Okay. And the bartender at Smith's. Kept filling it up with Scofflaw's Double Jeopardy, which is 10.5%. <laughs> and so by the time I introed the headliner band, my buddy's Greco, I'm like, I want to thank everybody so much for coming to my birthday party. <laughs> and my mom was there. Oh, that's. <laughs> and she's like, that's but I said, Mom, funny. this is my 30th birthday. You're not allowed to say anything about how much I'm drinking. <laughs> I've got a license for tonight. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, that man. And you're uh, you're what thirty five right now thirty six. Yeah, I'll be I'll be twenty seven in September. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're getting uh, up there, no, man. I'm, I'm I'm old. I am. I just yeah. But I, I used to, I used to lie about my age because I always had I always played younger than I really am. So in Hollywood, especially when I was out there, I I would I would lie, you know. And then this IMDb thing came along, and you know, it once they had your birthday, and that was a big big argument that went on for a long time about do you know can we remove our birthdays and all that because there is ageism exists yeah. you know in in, in a, many different industries but especially in in hollywood and uh that became a big thing but now i'm so old i really don't care anymore so like, <laughs> well i know, know your age and you don't look it's it like, well thank you bud yeah, thank you yeah. you're killing it man <laughs> thank you I, i'm excited dude I'm excited. i i literally was crying laughing when it came to, Brother Teddy, I've just been praying for the Lord to send me a pint-sized man like yourself. <laughs> it's time to pray. Oh, oh man, I was much. crying laughing. Thank you. Thank you. It was, I, I knew it was one of those, as soon as I got the script for the audition, I knew it was mine. There was yeah. never a doubt in my mind. You know, getting back to that confidence that yeah. we're talking about. And it's going to sound cocky, but I knew I was going to book it. Mm -hmm. There was no doubt in my mind. And the interesting thing there is, is it took almost literally three months before I found out that I booked it. it but I still never let go. Of it. Wow. Is that crazy? Three months? Why, why three, three months? Three months. It was just the timing on the film. I don't know if they, they maybe they pushed the dates for whatever reason. I, I, I really don't know at this point. But the, the funny thing was, um, George Pierre, one of, one of my best friends in the world, way before any of this happened, but uh, we go way back. He's my brother from another mother but he was the casting director on that film. And, and I get a text from George Pierre. He said, what are you doing this week? He said, because you booked the Kevin Hart movie. 
yeah, just so many, so many good memories about that. You know, the, the first day on set, it was basically just me and Kevin on the call sheet, which is an actor. You know, I was in heaven, you know, and I, here I am going toe to toe with one of the arguably best comedians on planet earth, yeah. you know, all day long. And, and, uh, you know, there's probably maybe 50% of what ended up in the final edit was on the, on the page. You know, it's just me ad libbing, trying to go toe to toe with, with, with the man, you know, and now, how funny he is he? It. Oh dude, he is so funny, so professional and so funny. And he, he was going through a lot of, a lot of stuff in his, in his personal life at that time, which I even give him more credit for being able to focus the way that he did. But, uh, it was, it, it was, it's, it's definitely one of the highlights of my career. Nice guy. Sure. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Very professional. Very nice. I was super scared when I found out he was in the wreck a yeah. couple months ago and all that. And, uh, He's, he's doing better now, thank God. But uh, I think it woke him up a little bit, you know, for sure, as it should. Yeah, I saw his video. It was so funny, uh, his Halloween thing. He's on the rock's porch, and he's dressed yeah, as yeah, the rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that trick was, tree. He's like, he's like peeked the napkin under the elbow. It was like the rock tried to hide. He's like, what is the costume store? All you do is ask him, like, you look stupid. <laughs> no, he's good people. And actually, I just heard a good friend of mine, I just had – I just saw her uh, recently. She said The Rock just bought a $9 million home here in mm-hmm. Metro Atlanta. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty neat. That must be nice. Like him too. Yeah. That'd be, yeah I'll, I'll get mine next year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always sitting here struggling with my rent payment. He's buying $9 million houses. Yeah. That's, uh, that's another guy who literally has all the influence in the world, The yeah. Rock, yeah. but who's so humble. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He, he's, he's just, he's good people. Yeah. Or Kevin Hart, like, you know, literally has all the money in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a nice guy all the time. Yeah. But, you know, that's it's that humility. Absolutely. Yeah. You're just real people, you know, and that, and that's to me that that's the key to success is being because, like I said earlier, for if there are any actors, up and coming actors or, or people that might be in the same position that I was when I was seven years old, you know, wanting to get into this business. To me, that's one of the most important keys to success is being somebody that people want to be around, you know, cause like you, you said earlier, it's, it's, it's a lot of hurry up and wait on a movie set. And, and if you're not somebody that people like to hang out with, forget it. No. You, you're not going to make it. You know? Word travels fast on a, on a set of who's good to work with. Mm-hmm. Who's, you know, the dick, yeah. who's the yeah. one that holds up um, yeah. takes or has to do take after take. Absolutely. And it, and it will come back to haunt you if you're one of those people. It will. Yeah. Now, would you say being a, an actor and a director, which one is tougher and which one is more creative? Wow. That's a very good question. Um, I pride myself on my good Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's good. I like that. Uh, it's making me think. Um, directing is more challenging because you've got so many more pieces of the puzzle, right? You've got to, not only am I thinking about your character, I'm thinking about her character and his character and their characters. And I'm thinking about the overall story. And then I'm thinking about what camera angles and what shots. And do I want to make a move with the camera here? And, you know, all do I want that wall brown or green, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, so I think logistically directing is more difficult, but I love the challenge. Mm-hmm. So I, until you just asked that question, it's, it's a bit revealing to me that I'd never looked at it as if it was difficult or, or, or more, even more challenging, I guess, you know, it just, it is what it is. And I think, I think even that night watching the rifleman at the age of seven, what did I tell my mom? I said, I want to grow up and be part of that team. I always knew even back then that this was going to be part of my destiny. So, you know, the, this part, I've got another big movie coming up next year after the first of the year that I'm directing and stuff. And it's just, 
uh, I'll never give up acting. It's it's in my blood. I'll always be there. This I've got a project coming up after the one that I'm directing, after the first of the year that I'm directing and one of the main actors in. Mm-hmm. And people are like, wow, are you sure? You know, and all that is going to be tough. And I'm like, there's not a doubt in my mind that I can do it. You know, with... Of course, you've got to have the right team, though. It's not just about me. It's it's all the other people. And knowing that I've got the right people in every position that I can trust, you know, to make that happen. Are you one of those people, because I am definitely not, one of those people that can watch your own work and not criticize stuff about it? Because I can't listen to my shows or something I've done and yeah. not just be 100, what would I have done differently? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's something, again, that came with time. It was difficult for me. Mm-hmm. When I was your age, it was hard. You know, um, I couldn't even listen to my own voice after leaving a voice message for somebody or something, you know, on a, on a phone. That's how, how bad it was for me. And I was in this profession called acting where I'm bearing my soul to the world. But, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with it now. It's sort of like with golf. It's like, why would I not use a video camera to see what my swing looks like down the line, what it looks like from, from straight on and all that. It's the same thing. If, if I need to be able to watch my work, to see what can be improved, not necessarily to pat myself on the back, but you know, I know that I've done good work when I can watch a movie that I've been in and I get lost in the movie and I'm not thinking about, okay, what, what was I doing here? What was I thinking? What was I, you know, that, and and I think that's true in every aspect of filmmaking because I've been in the business so long when I walk out of a theater and I realize I didn't think about very much, if anything, technically, I know it was a good, it was well done. You had to feel like that in night school. Huh? You had to feel like yeah, that. I, I did. Well, thank you. I, it's I chicken that. from it's the like, Lord, brother Teddy. <laughs> well, I tell you, a, a funny story about that is I told you when I read it, I knew that it was me. The the very first read that I gave that those scenes that I auditioned with, I saw Joel Osteen. So I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah, the, like a televangelist, yeah, whatever, yeah. that kind of thing. It was like I, I saw him, and I, and I think I never really confirmed with the writers that they were patterning after him. But that's what I saw. And so if, if anybody, I had a few fans, you know, just random people that have reached out to me through emails or snail mail or whatever and said that, you know, you reminded me so much of him. And I'm like, wow. And to me, that that's a great compliment because yeah. that's exactly what I was doing, you know. That, that was that voice and the way you everything. were. Everything. Yeah, everything. <laughs> I, I want you to say, Brother Jackson. <laughs> say, Brother Jackson. Brother Jackson, I've been praying to the Lord for a guy like you to ask me to come to an interview. Brother Joe, so funny. And then you're talking all this Christian stuff, and then strippers get off there. And there. <laughs> it's the lunch rush, right, Brother right. Teddy. But it's 10 you know, you know uh, uh, Kevin even encouraged me there. We, we, were, we had rehearsed, we had blocked that shot where all the strippers come through the door. And I said, you know what? I said, I ought to just give each one of these girls their own names like that. And he said, do it. And I'm like, like you think it'll be okay? He said, do it. And I'm, I figure he's one of the executive producers. He can tell me that. So I just start making up these strip names and coming to the door, and it made the final cut. You know that was that was ad libbed. That was all ad libbed. All yeah, those yeah. names. Yeah, all yeah, yeah. you were like, "Hello, Hurricane. How you doing, Mercedes? Hey, ecstasy. You have a good, you have a good night." So, what is something you still want to accomplish in your career that you haven't yet? Wow, another good question. Um, gosh, there, there are a lot of things for sure. I mean, the 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 big thing for me, and I'll kind of flip this back around a little bit, not to deflect or dodge the question, but the big thing to me has always been gaining respect from the people, the artists in the industry that I respect. Mm-hmm. Right. So if there's anything in me that's still hungry for anything, it would be that. I, I had a, a big role on in the heat of the night back in the day. 
with Carol O'Connor. And that was, that was my big thing out of the gate. I'd only, I just gotten an agent about six months before that and went in and read for a two line role and ended up being asked to read for one of the guest star roles and ended up booking it. Right. So when that episode finally aired, and this is back in the days where there were only three networks, right? I mean, there was cable TV, but there weren't the shitload of, you know, channels that we have now. And so, you know, I had family and friends going, can't wait, can't wait, whatever the date was. It was October, I remember, um, 1991, I guess. And, you know, can't wait to see it. We got the, you know, TV ready. We're all going to be at our house and watching blah, blah, blah. All of that meant a lot to me. But you know what meant more? Was the minute chance that my hero, Jimmy Stewart, might be surfing the TV that night and just catch two seconds of my performance. Hmm. That somehow thrilled me infinitely more than all the other applause and, and all that stuff. And, uh, and that's always been what it was for me because I grew up idolizing all those years that I was afraid to do anything in front of people except play baseball. I would watch television shows and I would analyze them, not just from an acting standpoint, but directing like, okay, they had to set up a shot here and then they set up a shot here. And, Oh, I love what the editor did in this moment you know, and all that. And, and so I, I grew up with this incredible respect for the artists that were affecting me the way they were on television and, and in the movies. And, and so even to this day, just to, again, not deflecting because yeah, who doesn't want to win an Academy award and all that. But to me, it's just gaining the respect of the, the people that I have respected for so long that, that means the most to me. Yeah. You're a good guy, Jeff. <laughs> I like you, brother. Well, thank you, bud. Thank you. Right. you now, too. now we'll play some questions. Okay. Now, when I was... I've, Is it like a game? Are we going to Yeah, 20 score? questions, gonna... rapid fire. All right? <laughs> so I, I was trying to come up with some new ones, and uh, in my search, I came across an article that said uh, 21 questions to oh. ask a man to turn him on. Oh, and as boy. much as I would love to know whether you like BDSM <laughs> or anything like that, we'll, we'll skip that one. All right. <laughs> Because that could get me in a lot of trouble. What kind of adult movies do you like? I'm just kidding. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm glad you asked, Jackson. <laughs> Have you ever really partied? Have you ever been to a real, real party? Like, I mean, party. In Hollywood? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think I've I've partied like that in my entertainment career twice. Okay, okay. And it's probably going to be a long time before, before I do it again. Before you do it again. It takes <laughs> a lot out of you. Right? <laughs> Those yeah. are like a, a, a true party. <laughs> well, uh, I think it was um, Jim Jeffries who said it best. You know, the comedian Jim yeah, Jeffries, yeah. he's like, you go to these parties and, you know, there's there's the room with the actual party, the secret party. And they and you go back there and they just encourage you to do drugs like in the open. It's right. like, <laughs> like you literally they bring right. women and you can be like, ah, right. And they yeah, yeah. Next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nothing like a Hollywood party. Right. It was crazy. You know, when I went out there, uh, when I just moved there, I got invited to a lot of parties like that. And that's when I realized that I did have an incredible amount of self-control because I had, there, there were, I'm not going to mention any names right now, but because I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but famous, well-known celebrities that literally were like, Hey, you know, let's do this line of Coke or something like that. And I never would, I never would touch it. Yeah. And, and it was right there in front of me. And, all, and, and in certain situations from influential people behind the camera, people that you would know if I mentioned their names, like, hey, if you do this, I'll give you that, you know, whatever. And I still, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And, and, and an interesting thing, and I haven't thought about this in a long time, and you're way too young to remember this, but Lynn Bias was a phenom basketball player. 
in college back in back in the day. And I think I was either in my freshman year of college, somewhere maybe a senior in high school. He was all the rage, and then all of a sudden he died of a heart attack. And people were like, "What the hell? What? You got to be kidding me!" And after the autopsy, weeks later, it came out that he had done a line of coke at a party and had a heart attack. And I mean, he was he was supposed to be like the what became Michael Jordan. He was supposed to be that big of a player. And um, and I think that just put the fear of God in me. And I so by the time I got to L.A. and all that stuff was right in front of me, I'm like, no way. Give me a beer. Give me a martini. Give me whatever. But I'm not. I'm not doing that shit. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I, I, I've, I've partied, like been at yeah, parties, like yeah. you know, drank as much beer as I can handle yeah, sometimes. But yeah. no, that hard stuff. There's no way, man. No way. There. You couldn't. You you could offer me. I'm being dead serious. You could offer me a million dollars cash right now to do a line of coke. I wouldn't do it. No way. And, okay, I, and I'm not trying to say I'm, I'm, not doing. <laughs> I, I'm not saying I'm any better than anybody else. It's just that that Lynn bias thing mm. put the fear of God in me, and mm. I'm grateful for it. You know, like I said beer, martinis. You know, those are all cool. Yeah. But you know, yeah, it takes it takes a lot to withstand because we see, especially in the acting world, so many people that have just succumbed yeah. to that mentality of yeah. you know, do it once and it's sad. I've got many friends, you know, and some of them are people again that you would know that have either literally lost their lives or figuratively done the the same because of those substances. And I'm like, why? I don't, I just don't get it, you know? And then of course I got friends outside of the business that the same thing has happened to, you know, I just, I, I will never understand that. All right. You got what oh, you only, have, I know you have a lot of money is every, everybody in the acting world's rich. That's what everyone assumes <laughs> yeah. that, you know, right. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, okay. That's what Rick Ryan and all them will say. They go, everybody assumes you're yeah. just rich if as shit. They see shit. you on TV. You're yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You can buy any building. Not you true. See. Not <laughs> no. true. But you, you, you have $100 and the whole day to yourself. What are you doing? I'm going to play golf. Yeah. Yeah. Even, oh. even by myself. Always. I, yeah. A good round of golf myself. by yourself yeah. sometimes is walking, walking. walking. Yep. I, I prefer walking the, you know, as, as much sports as I've played over the years, the best feeling I've ever had as an athlete was by myself on a course in Pauling County. I don't know how many years ago, teeing off on a, like a 440 yard par four with a five iron to keep it safe in the fairway mm -hmm. and hitting that ball and watch hitting it so pure and watching it fly off into the distance. That was better than any touchdown, any home run. And nobody was there to witness it. It was just me and God. That mm -hmm. was the best feeling in sports I've ever had. And I'll never in, in going back and finding those brief glimpses of that moment is what I strive for every round of golf. <laughs> <laughs> but they're so seldom, right? So seldom, so seldom. It's like that one time, but that's the thing about yeah. golf. Like, you know, you could hit, you could play 18 bad, terrible holes, but that they, one, but you're like, the 18, yeah, you're you're like, bam, I'm coming back tomorrow, baby. <laughs> I'm going to hit my stride this right, time. Right, right. What are two things you should know how to do, but don't? I know how to do, but don't. Should know how to do, should but don't. Should know how to do. I can't rebuild a carburetor. I should know how to do that. I don't yeah. think anybody knows how to build it. It's like, <laughs> unless you're a mechanic. Yeah, but, Come on, but, yeah. Jeff. So, but but I, I'm burying my soul here. So uh, that obviously that must be very deep for me for that to come out that quick, right? <laughs> um, There's a YouTube video do, on that, I'm sure. Can't do, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Something I can't, should be able to do, but I can't. I don't know. You stumped me here. Um, I don't know. The carburetor thing. Maybe Does that count for two? Maybe we'll, may, we'll, we'll let it slide. <laughs> okay. What movie is ridiculously overrated? The fourth quote unquote first star Wars. 
The fourth? Oh, the the, the Phantom of the Menace. The Phantom of the Menace was yeah. that it? Yeah. Yeah. That that uh was that it the one with Jar Jar Binks yeah yeah the first one yeah and so so you got to understand let let me and again no disrespect to anybody in the business but you know I waited my entire adolescent life for those sequels to come back to come out right mm. the prequels whatever they're called it's the only movie I've ever fallen asleep in uh, asleep at in the theater <laughs> really it put me to sleep it was so boring and it was not the star wars that i remembered from 1977 through 81 you know what i hate about movie theaters now the 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 pureness of going to see a film at a movie theater is so different because i i hate being in a theater and people behind me talking about their day or uh-huh. you know they're just talking throughout the whole film and people stand it, dude. people that obnoxiously <laughs> laugh yeah. in a film yeah. and i hate people that, like if i'm sitting in my living room Talk during a movie. Dude, I can't stand it. Oh, it's like, shut the hell up and watch the movie. See, I have have even a newfound respect for you now because (laughs) it's like I want to appreciate it and enjoy it and digest it the way the artist meant for me to to do so. I was a... I was a film minor, so I like to analyze oh, cool. films, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. and my brother would be like, "There's no way that could ha- exactly. happen." And I'm like, "Of course, exactly. not. that's why it's a movie." Exactly, that's exactly <laughs> right. It's the equivalent of walking into an art museum and the guy standing next to you throws a, a can of beer on the Mona Lisa <laughs> while I'm looking at it. Right? Yeah. It's the equivalent of that. Yeah. You're screwing up what the artist yeah. intended. Yeah, it's just like, don't question whether that's good. I right. hate people that question and say, oh, that could never happen in real life. That's uh, why, exactly. That's why movies <laughs> exist. Cinema would that's be boring right. if, it, if it was all based on I, real life. I, I, I coach actors. And that, that's one of the things that, that, that I do with my career at this point. And I tell them all the time, you know, you, you've, you've got this mentality of keep it real, keep it honest and all that. Yes, that's true. But most actors interpret that as don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, who wants to spend two hours of their lives or even one hour of their life for episodic TV or possibly money on a Saturday night to go to a theater? It cost me 20 bucks the other night, $23, I think, oh, it's so expensive to go see to the see Joker, movie now. right? But who wants to spend that kind of money and two hours of their lives to watch normal? Yeah. Normal is not what we pay to see, right? It's not, we're not. Fantasy. It's a fantasy. That's exactly right, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a big misconception about, about film. Yeah, it's... I, I just hate that people look at it so literally and don't mm-hmm. ingest it. Like you said, the way the artist meant for it. Exactly. To, it took a team of people. Most movies, it took at least, what, even a low-budget independent film, it took at least 300 people to put that on the screen for you. And you're disrespecting every one of them if you're going to talk through it or it really turn your me phone off. on or, you know. Whatever. I feel like we're really connecting right now, Jeff. Me too, man. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. What, besides acting, what high-level job could you lie your way into with little to no experience and no one would notice? President of the United States. Are we getting political? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't want to get political. They say never get political in entertainment. Exactly. But, well, but there's so many people that do, especially today. It's like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. I, uh, I could, I could that or being an attorney. I think there there was a part of me that wanted to be a trial lawyer at one point. So I could, Mm. I could do that. I think, cause that's acting. I studied the LSAT you know? for two weeks and I was like, nope. No way. Oh, yeah, no. it's too hard. Yeah. yeah. That's why I never <laughs> went to be a doctor like my every other man in my family. <laughs> That's awesome. Though. That and I filled out of college my first semester with a 0.8 GPA. Oh, because you're partying too much. Oh, yeah. way too much. Yeah. Way too, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And I, I, oh, not kicked out. I got suspended. Okay. Okay. For oh, the semester. Is. And my, my dad made because me. Because of your grade point average? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My dad made me wash dishes in this restaurant for three months as punishment. Ooh. 
Oh, that was the worst I job. I, I mean, I there bet. is nothing that will humble you more than having fucking dishes <laughs> right, thrown at right. you. I mean, like, Jackson, we need the we need the plates clean. Right, Let them throw. Right, and like, right. you know, you're just covered in shit that's from so like, like people slinging stuff. That, that's something I tell people all the time. They say, what is your definition? They ask me, what is your definition of success? And I say, when you cut your own grass or do your own dishes because you want to, not because you have to. Exactly. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. And then my first, uh, my, my radio career started at Young Harris College where okay. I was going, yeah. doing college baseball play-by-play. Nice. Okay. You know, so, you know, this, did you play? I did didn't. Play pl- I mean, I played in high school and all that. I didn't okay. play uh, yeah. anything in college. But, okay. um, and then I went and did UGA football and basketball play-by-play for three years. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome, that was fun. Dude. Yeah. That was that's fun. That's great. Yeah, sports sports broadcasting was fun. But yeah, I, and I I still to say I don't even know how I ended up here. <laughs> right? I, just, I just remember one day being on the air on rock, and I was like, All right, well, yeah. how did I get in this chair? Yeah, that, you know that's a that's a great point to make too. Even even with you inviting me for this interview today, it's like yeah, I had this dream when I was a kid. I saw this TV show and talked to my mom about it and all that. But if I had to map out how I got here today, I couldn't do it. There's no way. It's funny looking yes. back on that and yeah. just like all the pieces come together. Yeah, it's, right. it's amazing. I'm, I'm so grateful. Uh, again, back to one of the first points you brought up. I, tr- I try to maintain that sense of gratitude. All right, so we had about uh, 10 minutes right there of talking off air, which was a <laughs> quality conversation. Quality, that, for sure, yeah. That only you sure we. sure you weren't recording? No, I, sure? I, I, I would never <laughs> disrespect you, brother. You know that. Uh, uh, I'm a trustworthy you. guy. I, I can see you. But when TMZ gets a hold of Tamar, don't tell me that. It had that. nothing to do with you, right? Yeah. I was promised a million dollars for it. They said, if you get the Jeff Rose scoop, well, we'll pay. If I'm worth that much, I can live with it. Yeah. It's like <laughs> if your dirty laundry is worth it. That's right. Yeah. I, I think, you know, hey, if anybody's dirty laundry is worth a million dollars, you better, you know, be feeling good. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, uh, that's reserved for the Kanye Wests of the world. Do you see that uh, Christian album he just came out with? Yeah, I saw something about that. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. If you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with the extra time? If I didn't have to sleep? Yeah. Wow. Um, read. I would read more. Mm-hmm. That's a lame answer. Jeff. I know. It's not going to excite your audience, but yeah, there's so many books and movies that I'd like to see and so many books I'd like to read. Um, and there's just not enough time. I'm hoping when I get to heaven, there's going to be a library and no. some, some cinemas and some golf courses no. for sure. <laughs> what were you raised? Uh, religion. Religion. Grew up Baptist. Me too. Uh, definitely a Christian still, but non-denominational. I don't believe in denomination. We are the exact same person, I think. Are you serious? Yeah. Sweet. I grew up Baptist. Uh, my mom's still super Baptist. Okay. But is a reformed person because she was the uh, personal secretary for the Allman Brothers and the Marshall Tucker Band in the seventies. No yeah, at Capricorn Records. No yeah. way. Yeah. So How she partied. Cool. Yeah, I went to see uh, Greg Allman uh, years and years ago. I was in town. I was dating a girl, and and I came back to see her. I went to see Greg Allman. I can't even remember what venue right now, but Derek Trucks was just starting to make a name for himself. Yeah. It was the most phenomenal thing watching this kid get out there and play the guitar. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, we got a lot in common. I met Greg uh, before we, last time we came to Atlanta before he died. Yeah. And I was like, Greg, by the way, I'm Gene Heaton's son. And he was like, that woman grew up to have kids. And I was like, you shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. Uh, favorite movie? Favorite movie? And this is going to be another lame answer probably in your <clears throat> audience's mind and maybe in yours, but it's a wonderful life. On the waterfront with Marlon Brando. Is that yours? Yeah, yeah I get. It's it. a wonderful life. That's your favorite. It's a wonderful yeah. life. It's just it's such well. 
it, it's so well put together and the performances were through the roof and, and it became so bubblegum. And, and I think that did a disservice to, to the film right? Mm. In, in the end. But I just, I love Jimmy Stewart. What can I yeah. say? You'd probably freak out if, yeah, or if he, you'd he, ever he met him. better be in heaven. Yeah. If not, I hope I go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Party with Jimmy. That's right. You, know, you, uh, you said your shiny moment in Heat of the Night was thinking about Jimmy just scrolling through the TV and seeing and Just seeing he's... just a glimpse of what I did, yeah. whether he liked me or not. Yeah. You know, it's like just, just that, that thrilled me. Because Thought of him thinking of you for yeah, a second. Just, yeah, just, just to see me work, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. It really, really thrilled me. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of old films. Like, uh, I, my favorite film of all time, probably, of, like, olden days, uh, The Kid with Chaplin. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautifully done. What, and, and, and it's a shame. Somebody needs to do a remake. I, I thought that, that Robert <clears throat> Downey Jr. did a phenomenal job in that mm-hmm. movie, Chaplin. Mm-hmm. But somebody needs to, to retouch Charlie Chaplin's story again just for this new generation so that they can really appreciate how gifted that man was. Yeah, I mean, it takes yeah. a lot to make people laugh without saying horror. Yeah, you better believe it. <laughs> Slapstick yeah, comedy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, nah, I, I could do old movies the whole day. That's All right. cool. Yeah. Since, uh, since a lot of this is about music, what's well, your... It's a wonderful life's pretty old. Just it, yeah. for the record. <laughs> it is pretty old. But uh, what's a uh, favorite band? Or what's a song you can listen to over and over? Rush. Limelight. Even though it's not necessarily my favorite Rush song... It inspired the hell out of me when I was a kid. Just, you know, the, the, the thought about, you know, what the, the proverbial limelight was all about. You know? Now, there are people that think Rush is an overrated band. I get that, but I, I call bullshit. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, when, when you get three men, only three men together, and, and those weren't the archaic days of studio production, but it definitely, they didn't have the capabilities even that we have today obviously, but for three men to be able to produce that sound in the studio and then come out on tour and reproduce that sound as three men on stage. Mm. That was phenomenal. I know enough about music to know how phenomenal that is. And uh, to this day, and, and just the lyrics, you know, because I'm a storyteller and, you know, like I said, I, you know, reading is what I would do if I didn't have to sleep and stuff. But Neil Peart, his, his lyrics are phenomenal mm. to me. Can't be an acting answer. When people come to you for help, what do they usually ask for? Advice about crap that's going on in their lives. Yeah. I don't know why, but I'm sort of like a Dr. Ruth Westheimer. <laughs> Do you even know who that is? Who is it? <laughs> Dr. Ruth Westheimer. She was like the sex therapist that was on all the oh. talk shows back in the... Have you seen The Joker? Have you seen Joker yet? The new the new yeah. one? No. You haven't said Okay, well, I, I was going to... I'll spoil it for you if I say anything. But yeah. I hear it's really good. It's good. It, it, his performance is phenomenal. Uh, what A uh, level between that and Heath Ledger. You know, to me, it, it's on an even par. Mm-hmm. I know that's a cop-out answer, but Heath Ledger was phenomenal. He didn't, uh-huh. that nomination didn't come by chance or just because he died. I mean, he he was phenomenal in that role. But uh, yeah, Phoenix, he 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 killed it. He he at least got to the level that, that uh, Heath Ledger did. And it, you know, it's, and, you know, I thought about it while I was watching it. What a fun role it would be to tackle, but it is scary. To have to go to that that dark of a place, yeah. you know, to for that for that long. <clears throat> because I mean, what happened with Heath Ledger? You just throw yourself into these roles so mm-hmm. much, and you you become a method acting. Yeah. yeah, and of course it was it was close to me because of the Batman thing, mm-hmm. right? And and you may know this already, but even Jack Nicholson, even though people would say his his interpretation was 
more campy, you know, in that, in Tim Burton's version, he even called Heath Ledger when he knew that he was taking on the role and said, be careful before he ever started shooting. Really? Mm-hmm. He That's said, it's a scary, scary place. That was like Jack Nicholson telling another, a fellow actor that. Yeah. Cause mentally like going there and being, yeah, you can't, you can't fake that. You know, people, people have this outside of the industry and outside of the art, people have this <clears throat> misinterpretation and sadly some actors don't even understand the difference. That's why they're still actors in my mind and not artists, but you know, you, you've got to go there. You can't, you can't fake it. Acting is not about faking anything. You know, it's much deeper than that. Now, are you a fan of method acting? Like completely? Not a bit, huh? not a bit. And I know Heath Ledger was, huh. and, and there are, you know, other actors that adhere to it. I think, I think my biggest problem with it is the way most so-called teaching professionals are teaching it. It's incorrect right out of the gate today. And, and I personally don't believe that it's healthy. <laughs> We're talking about Heath Ledger. I don't believe it's healthy to go to a place like that and stay there for that extended amount of time. I'm, I'm, I'm one who, you know, I've, I've played some pretty dark characters, you know, in, in my career. And yes, you've got to get in the zone. You've got to do it. But as soon as I can, I'm going to be one of the first to break out of those moments and make a joke even on set or something. But, but I'm also the guy who politely asks the director to, to keep the crew in check between takes, between takes, you know, to make sure that I can stay in that zone and all that, that that's completely valid. And mo- most directors that, that understand anything about the art form, understand that that's the way it should be. I, I did that the other day. Uh, Corbin Burnson came in on this movie, you know, that I'm directing and on his, on his first day on set we shot the very last scene of the movie, which is extremely, extremely emotional. And I made an announcement, you know, I I just announced to everyone, I said, in between takes guys, we're going to be quiet. I know you got to work. You got to set up the shot. You got to move this, do that, whatever, but whisper because my actors need to stay in this zone until we get this sequence completed, you know? And, uh, most of the time I've, I've had directors even on episodic TV that understand that aspect of it. You know, it's interesting too. A lot of the, a lot of the best directors I've ever worked with are actors themselves, mm. you know, for obvious reasons I don't think that's a coincidence. The Mel Gibson's of the world and, you know, Clint Eastwood's of the world. They don't, that's not by chance that they're so good behind the camera. You know? mm. Well, I hear Clint Eastwood's directing style is he doesn't take a lot of time getting a shot. Like when he gets the shot, he moves he on. Moves right on sometimes with one take. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm not quite that brave. <laughs> I need at least one safety. You know, well, I think Clint Eastwood's at the point. It's like, ah, I'm, I'm one of the most yeah, successful actors of all time. No, but he's, I mean, obviously, I mean, he's, he's, he knows what he's doing. Some of the best films of our latest generation have been directed by that man. Yeah. Right there, you know, and he's just been doing it for so long. He knows exactly what he, he knows wants, what he, what it takes and what it, you know, and he, he knows how to put that right team mm-hmm. around him to, to help him achieve his goal. Oh, man, this was a great conversation. Yeah, man, I love it. I want to go through all these questions. but Well, do just... it. Yeah, I, I'm sorry I'm giving you lame answers. Though. No, 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 you're perfect, but <laughs> you, you do give some lame answers. I'll give you that. You know, yeah, you're, be, you're a very interesting boring, person. Yeah. But, uh, let's ask uh, two more. Let's go with two more. What are some small things that make your day better? Small things that make my day better. Coffee. Always. I love coffee. And um, talent. You know, not that that's a small thing, but just really, you know, if it's just a glimpse of something on TV or one of my students comes in and has a shining moment, it really, talent, talent thrills me. Yeah. yeah. 
Where do you teach? Because I know there's Drama Inc. and Jason McDonald. Yeah, I just I, I'm a private coach. Huh. I just do it. I've got a little studio in my place in Buckhead, and you know I, I do it privately there. Nice. Mm-hmm. I don't even advertise it that much. I'm I'm more word of mouth, you know, and which uh, is the best form. Of which is the best form, I think. Yeah, yeah. you know, and I, I don't really push it. I I think a part of me is a little worried that if I did promote, that it would become a full time job. Yeah. Not that I would be against that. It's just I don't have enough time because. Right. My acting and directing is is in high gear right now, you know. Right. So, so what is exactly work Jeff Rose is working on right now? What's in pre-production? What's in post? Well, um, I am about to start. I can't say the name of the show publicly yet, but I'm about to start <coughs> my very own series in New Mexico right Ooh. after the first of the year. Um, hopefully, it it appears that I'll be directing two of the ten episodes. This is for a streaming service that most people know about. And uh, I'll be the I'll be the star of the show. Or, That's uh, awesome. Pretty 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 excited about it, and I honestly wish I could tell you more right now, but yeah. I can't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, so I'm in pre production on that, and we're working on some storylines and mm-hmm. character and story arcs. And, all that. So, yeah. and you had the first director feature. <laughs> yeah, I just directed my first feature. Uh, I've got another feature I'm directing coming up next year, possibly two, depends on start dates and all that in 2020, and. Um, Got the typical, you know, auditions that are pending even now for, you know, smaller, arguably smaller roles here in here in Atlanta and stuff. So, yeah, that's the typical treading the boards, I guess, you know. Well, Jeff Rose, you owe me a, you, you've already committed to a round of golf. We're doing you. it. No yeah. doubt. It's on me too. Oh, you're Cause I'm guy. a millionaire, right? You're, Isn't that you're what you a said? Multi-millionaire, I'm a, a multi-millionaire gosh, actor. I drove your, uh, you know, your nice Mercedes <laughs> yeah. here, your Lamborghini. My Kia Optima. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love Kia. I love Kia. I <laughs> you drive a Kia Optima? Like, yeah. Hey, fuel efficient. <laughs> it is in a hundred thousand mile warranty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I gave up my, uh, my Silverado truck two years ago because I was just, gas was killing me. Sure. Sure, it was yeah. like I don't need it, this big of a you know vehicle when I'm driving around Atlanta to MC concerts. So I got a Chevy Malibu, right? And, <laughs> you know it's nice. I got some upgraded wheels uh-huh. to make it look a little fancier. I got the turbo. And that's and, um, cool. Yeah, but I miss my truck. Yeah, um, I, I can got, see that. Growing up in Blairsville, I can yeah, see that. we yeah. all had trucks, and you you don't know the convenience of a truck until you until have you don't a truck. Have one. Yeah, until Absolutely. you don't have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Having yeah. the beds, yeah. like because like immediately after I got rid of it, I needed to. Move something. Uh, move yeah. to a washer and dryer and pick up a bed. And right. I'm like, damn it, this was so it's easy. It's not going to fit in my Fiat. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> well, dude, uh, I hope, cannot wait to hang out with you soon. Thank you, brother. I'm looking forward to it. And thank we'll, you thank we'll, you for having me, Jackson. And I'm, we'll I'm have really you on again soon. Thank you. But you got to do one thing for me the next time you come on my podcast. Yeah, what would that be? You got to wear something tight, baby. You wear something you tight? You got to wear okay. something tight. <laughs> got to look like a rock star. <laughs> Stop eating and, uh, and be skinny. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs>